Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. So I want you to put your hand together and tell Doug and Donna thank you and welcome them this morning. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to try to get through this, but God actually put just a thought in my heart this morning as I woke up and I'm sorry, I'm a little teary. You know, I've made it strong through all of this transition. And this morning I woke up and I was like, wow, but God woke me up this morning with a scripture that was really special. It was kind of a moment with the Lord and he reminded me years back, you know, cause I was in youth group here and I did all of my, you know, very key years in this house. This is, I'm a daughter of this house. And for some of you young people who are out there and some of you are in transition at any stage in your life, the Lord just kind of put a thought in my heart that kind of began this journey for me before I even met Doug and knew what was ahead. And it was a scripture that has been a life verse which is Psalms 37 and and verse three and four. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture, which City Bible Church has been for us as a family and me as an individual. And then verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And this morning I'm in another transition where I say, I don't know what's ahead, but I'm going to trust in the Lord and lean on my own understanding. But most of all, delight yourself in the Lord. And I just wanted to put that thought in you this morning. Some of you are in a situation where you don't know the future. You don't know what's around the corner. And God says not to strive or push or worry, but to just simply this morning delight in the Lord. And as I look back, this scripture has proven out in my life because as I just sought Jesus, everything fell into place. All my desires. I mean, every dream I've written out as a teenager and young adult in this house, God has done above and beyond. And I just wanted to just drop that thought with you as you, as a church are in a new season going forward, that God would give you that heart to just delight in him and trust in him. And God's going to go above and beyond all that you could ask or think. And, and one last thing, I just want to say, thank you. Thank you for trusting us with your children over the years. And thank you for serving our family. So many of you have served our kids and our family and done groceries and so many things that has released us over the years. And I just want to say thank you. And I love you. And we are just just extending. We're not leaving. We're just extending. And I know that God is going to keep us as family for years to come. God bless. Amen. Amen. Everybody said amen. 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 It's good to be here this morning. It is my last official uh, time with you here at a weekend service. I have a thought for you this morning. It's a very simple thought, and we'll get into it here in just a second. I'm not sure how far I'll I'll get with it. It doesn't really matter, I guess, that much, But because I am going to reminisce just a little bit. You can't help but pause. I can't help but pause and reminisce and look back just because I was wrapping up this week and uh, getting ready to move on Thursday. On Thursday morning, we pick our kids up at kids' camp throw them in the van and we go right over the Rocky Mountains, man. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. So this Thursday, and like I told the ACLT, people keep asking me, when do you leave? And I say, I'll say this Thursday. But if they understood what was behind those two words, this Thursday, uh, it has been a lot of work and a lot of, uh, 
there's been some challenges, but the joy has been incredible. Uh, my family and I, uh, and my, my brother-in-law, David and Melissa, who were going with us, we knew we had to uh, get rid of our houses. And how many of you know this is the best economy we've seen in 50 years uh, for real estate, especially in Happy Valley, if you live by me. And so it wasn't easy to sell our home. David and Melissa got their house sold in just about four days, uh, which was fantastic. Our, our house, I uh, actually got it leased out. And what happened was we were trying to get rid of our homes at the, at the same time. And I thought, well, if someone rents my house, I'll just rent it and figure out where I'm going to live later. Famous last words. So right after I said that to the Lord, you know, someone called and leased my house. And so all of us were homeless at the same time. And my, my sister-in-law, Melissa, is such a woman of faith. She's standing at the bus stop with the kids. And we all knew we had nowhere to live for about eight weeks. And so there was a, a, a woman there, a lady there on the cell phone or talking or whatever at the bus stop one morning. And and somehow they started talking and she realized that, that this woman's mother was moving and she lived right up the street. So Melissa just turned and said, can we all live at your house? And uh, she says, I don't know. Let me make a phone call. So she gets on the phone right there at the bus stop. And, uh, and sure enough, she let us move into her house. So in this one house, and all of her furniture is gone, by the way. There's 11 people and a dog living in some house. I don't even know the address. And uh, we're, we're all living together. It's like an old school 70s Christian commune. Amen. We're breaking bread and, and uh, li- sleeping on mattresses on the floor because it's transition time, you know. And uh, someone, actually Mark Jones, Pastor Mark gave us a prophetic word some months back that we were, uh, he talked about the faith that it's going to take to do this. And he gave us a, a picture of a rock climber who was on one rock uh, face and he was trying to get to another rock face, but to get there, it was just out of his reach. And so he had to actually let go of what was secure and to jump into the air to reach and grab that, that next uh, uh, part of the, of the rock face. And really, that's where we've been. And, you know, I kind of enjoy being there, to be honest. Uh, I, I like the, the walk of faith and the steps of faith. Uh, but we are hanging in midair. Amen. And we're reaching for Denver, Colorado, that next rock in the Rockies. And we actually leave on Thursday. So it's been a great journey. I came in 1989. I got saved in 1989. And as I was looking around this morning and last night, I was noticing some faces And those of you who remember me when I first came here have already promised to never share any of the stories from my first few years. So thank you. But, you know, as I'm I'm looking around, there are some families that were very instrumental in uh, me coming to this church. One of those families was uh, Joe and LaVon Sargent, Joe Sargent. I actually knew Joe when I was a little kid. Uh, Big Joe Sargent. He lived in our neighborhood when I was a child. I was maybe seven, eight years old, and his son Spencer and I were friends. And uh, we went to uh, elementary school together. And Joe and LaVon were instrumental. My first small group was in their home when I came here. Uh, Vern and Judy Kiergaard. Vern and Judy Kiergaard were the first people who ever told me about City Bible Church and invited me to City Bible Church. And there's just so many people around the room today. Paula's here, Paula Wharton, and I bought my first home. Paula helped me get my first home. And uh, I want to mention a couple of other families. Just, you know, there's so many people that we could thank for what's gone on through the years, but two families in particular when it comes to our children. Very important when you're in youth ministry, when we're giving ourselves to everyone else's children, which is what our calling is, there were a couple of families that, that were called to our children. 
which was very powerful in the moment because we wanted to give ourselves to a greater degree to what God was doing. And so there were a couple of families. And by the way, there's at least 20 of you, 30 of you here this morning that have all participated in the Lasset family chaos. Amen. And we thank you all. Uh, I just can't name you all, but the two families specifically that I want to mention this morning and say thank you to are uh, the Vogels. Thank you. Cheryl helped raise our children. You may not know this, but she actually came to us and she said, I want to help you. I want to release you to the youth ministry. What can I do? Let me help you with your children. And so from the day that Kaylee was born through uh, Tessa, and then even just a little bit right at the end with Kai, so maybe more than five years, Cheryl took care of our kids a couple of days a week at her home. And how many of you know there, can't, there isn't a better home to have your kids in, amen, during the week while you're serving in the ministry than the household of the Vogels. And I want to say thank you to you for those, those years that you gave to our family. And the other family here this morning are the Joneses. And uh, I saw Pastor Mark here, but the Joneses and all their girls... Uh, literally helped raise our children, have been on vacations with us, stayed at our house. There's so many of you here, so thank you very much. Now, when I first came to City Bible Church slash Bible Temple, man, what a journey, because I first showed up here during the season when you guys were changing properties. And the first thing really that happened when I showed up, you guys were having a parade. I mean, who has a parade? I showed up, I'm like, I want to be in this church, because this church has parades for itself. I want to be a part of a church that throws parades for itself. Man, I didn't even know who you were. I was running down the streets screaming and yelling down the middle of 82nd. Amen. Who has parade? And you know, I've been a part of the parade for the last 20 years. My first and last conversation or official meeting with uh, Pastor Iverson was right in the transition. And Pastor Frank had hired me and I had the opportunity to go up to Brother Dick's office and he put his hand on his shoulder and he, he prayed for me and congratulated me and, and told me that he believed in me and that I was going to do a great job. And I see you here this morning, Brother Dick, and I want to say thank you for uh, your role and influence in my life. And, uh, you know, I didn't serve directly under you, but uh, I, I am a son of this house and uh, I'm a spiritual grandson, I suppose, in that sense. But I just honor you and course, Edie, and, and all that you've done, and, and uh, we love you very much. We're going to make you proud in Denver. Amen. And then there was that famous moment, you know, with Pastor Frank, where I, you know, when, when, pa, when, when you go to Portland Bible College, or you're in the church for a while, and people are, are speaking, and you're in their classes, and, you know, I'd only met Pastor Frank uh, well, I'd only seen Pastor Frank a couple of times when he came to visit and speak in chapels. And I had the, the oddest moment once in a chapel when he was speaking, I think my freshman year, and the Holy Spirit dropped this thought into me, which I, I actually rejected at the moment. I didn't understand it because it was very strange to me as I began to know the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said to me in, in PBC Chapel, I think my freshman year, one day you will work for that man. I didn't even know what his name was. And then lo and behold, here we are all these years later. I was the very first hire that Pastor Frank made. And I want to tell you about that moment. When you're in Portland Bible College and MFI is going on and all your heroes are up there, all your spiritual heroes and MFI, those are the days when we used to try and sneak in, you know, and get into the glory like Joshua in the tent. And uh, Pastor Frank was teaching vision management. 
And uh, I remember sitting in the class thinking, I've got to talk to Pastor Frank about my future. I know he doesn't know me. He probably doesn't even know who I am. But I need to just shake his hand and ask him if he'll speak into my life for my future. So I waited until we got out of the, out of the classroom building. And he was walking to his large white car. And those were the days when all the pastors had large white cars, which made him even more intimidating, you know. And so his car took up two parking spaces and on top of it, it was anointed. And so it glowed. It was white. It glowed. And if you were flying over in an airplane, you would have seen his car at that moment. And as I walked out of the classroom building, I got the guts to just kind of clear my throat and say, Pastor Frank. I said, Pastor Frank, and he turns around and he looks at me. And I said, I'd love to get together with you and talk about my future. Maybe you can speak into my life. And I didn't know that he had been watching me and checking up on me for all the years that I was in Bible college. And I was getting ready to graduate. And he turned around to me and he says, yeah, I've actually been wanting to talk to you as well. I just went, oh, he knows. He knows. And I'm going to tell you what I thought he knew, but he knows. He knows. And then he says, he says, I actually want you to succeed Pastor Bob McGregor and be the youth pastor in this church. And that moment literally changed my life. And so Pastor Frank pulled me out of uh, Portland Bible College uh, where I was molded and shaped, where men like Ken Mullman and and Lanny Hubbard and Larry Asplin and all the others shaped me and molded me. He, he raised me up. Pastor Frank put me to work in the church. And uh, I can honestly say that I am who I am today because of this church and specifically uh, Pastor Frank DiMazio. And I would like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be who I am today. Thank you very much. Love you and appreciate you. Can we give our pastor a big hand? Amen. Okay. So here we are, and Thursday we, we pull out of here and we're headed over the Rocky Mountains. Let me give you one thought this morning. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1. The book of Philippians chapter 1. And let me introduce you very quickly to, to who's going with us and what we're going to do. And this is just a brief overview. But first of all, let me show you the city of Denver here. Oh, by the way, our church is called the Pearl Church. That's just one of ten logos we're looking at, but... Uh, the ACLT, uh, they, they liked it, so we'll use that one this morning. But the Pearl Church, of course, the Pearl of Great Price and uh, the Pearl District, there are actually two different areas that are called Pearl in Denver, which I didn't know when I, when I got there. And so there's an affinity to the word and to the name, the Pearl Church. Uh, and here's our website. If you'd like to see our website, uh, it should be there. Coming in two weeks, thepearlchurch.org, so you can log in and say hi. If you want, you can Twitter me. I'm going to Twitter my drive over the Rocky Mountains. It won't be anything too profound. It'll be things like Kai poked his sister in the eye. Uh, Kai bit an elk. Uh, Kai's running through the Rocky Mountains, and he has escaped. Things like that. But uh, the Lord... The Lord has put, put with us a team, a team of people. And I think I have some photos here. Now, you don't know all of these folks... But uh, some of them you will recognize, and the Lord really has given us a wonderful team of people. And you know, the offering was amazing. Don and I have been thinking about the offering that you have sown into our lives in the church, and it was very, uh, it was very profound, very large. Amen. Thank you. And, but you know, just as important are the people that you've sown. And Pastor Frank and the leaders know this. And the, one of the reasons why I believe that God is going to raise up a great church in Denver, Colorado, 
It's because of the DNA. It's, it's not just the dollars. It's the dollars plus the DNA and the people. And so this is the group of people that we have so far. There's a few others that aren't here, but for the most part, you have the group up in the left-hand corner. Some of them you recognize. And uh, my three children right there at the top with the future quarterback of the Denver Broncos on my left. Right there, my three beautiful nieces and, of course, 11 people and a dog. That's the dog, Zoe. Uh, who are, Zoe and I are very close now. We're very close. Uh, of course, Peter and Becky, the junior high pastors here, Jenna and JD and their family from the Mill Plain campus. This couple here, uh, we went to their, we were at their wedding last week. And uh, his name is Luis Robles. And Luis Robles came here during college at the University of Portland. He came in not really serving the Lord. And he was touched and changed here. And he had a dream to play soccer. And he played soccer for the University of Portland. And his dream has come true. And it's amazing to hear his story of how he's dedicated his life to Jesus in the last four years. And just this week when the Americans were playing Brazil, we saw him standing on the sidelines. And he's now part of the American national team. And he's one of the main goalies in in, uh, Germany. And he flies back. An incredible story. So, of course, Jordan and Esther and all of the rest. And they love you. And we know that you're in our corner. Okay. So tonight or today, let's go ahead and go to this next uh, little uh, thought that I have for you today. Uh, I want to talk about a partnership in the gospel. We talk about an extension, but specifically, I want, I'd like to talk about a partnership in the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, I'll start in verse 3, and we'll do this quickly. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayers. Now, I'm reading from the NASB right here, and I'll go in and out of the NASB and the NIV. In view of your partnership... Your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began, come on, you know this verse, a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And understand, Philippians, you really need to understand the book of Acts because Philippians comes from the book of Acts. That's where its birthplace was. And if I could set this one thought up, uh, Paul, the apostle Paul, in chapter 28 of Acts, he's in, he's in Rome as a prisoner for two years and he writes these letters. And he's actually writing this letter to the Philippian church to say thank you for an offering that they sent him. A man named uh, Epaphroditus, he took this offering along the Ignatian way and he took it from the Philippian church to go visit Paul and say, here, the Philippian church has given you an offering. So Paul takes the, the opportunity and he writes a letter back to the Philippian church. And as he's writing this letter back to the Philippian church, as you read the letter, you can, read, you can kind of see the history of the letter, the history of the Philippian church in the letter. See, when Paul and Silas were on their second missionary journey, Paul was trying to go up into Asia on his second missionary journey, and the Lord stopped him and spoke to him and said, don't go to Asia. And so he goes to bed one night and has a vision, and in the vision, there's a man from the Macedonian region in the vision that says, come here to us. And so when he wakes up, he goes off to Macedonia, which is what we would call Europe, He goes up into Macedonia to a place called Philippi. And when he arrives, there's a group of women at a river and they are praying. One of those women is Lydia. And Lydia was a very important woman in the area. She was a a seller of fine purple cloth. There was actually a dye that was made right there in that region that wasn't made anywhere else in the world at that time. And she was a businesswoman. She was a very wealthy woman. She had people that followed her. She was someone who had influence. And Paul met her on the river at a time of prayer. And she convinced Paul to come to her house. So Paul comes to her house. 
And it says that Paul led her entire household to the Lord. Now, a household in those days was just not just mom, dad, brother, sister, but a household represented everyone that you have influence over. There may have been 20, 30, 40 people in her house that day, but right there in her living room, in Lydia's living room, was the birth of the Philippian church. She was a businesswoman. She was a giver. She was someone who understood how to support churches and how to support Paul and what maybe God's plan was for money and for influence. And now fast forward, Paul is thanking the Philippian church for the gift that they have sent. But in the middle of it, he says, but what I really want to do is I recognize the seed of prosperity that came from Lydia's house. And now it was through the whole Philippian church. But what I really want to say to you is thank you because we are partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we have been blessed because you gave us this phenomenal offering. But if we're going to look at it biblically, and we look at the biblical pattern, an offering represents a spiritual partnership. It's not just the money for the money's sake, but it represents something. Because how many of you know where you sow your seed, if we're Christians and we believe God, that seed is going to take root and it's going to bear fruit. And so, Paul, when you begin to read the the book of Philippians, you begin to see the kind of partnership that he's talking about. And I can't go through all of the different elements of the partnership, but let me go through a couple of them with you this morning. Paul says, thank you for what you've done. Let's look at some of the elements of the partnership. Number one, he says this is not just a partnership of offering because that's what sows the seed, but it's a partnership in grace. In grace. Because to be partners in the kingdom means that we have to understand the element of grace. Now, is anyone here thankful that you are saved and you know Jesus? Come on, someone. Are you? Now, I don't know what it's like for you, but I remember what it was like before I met Jesus. And I remember what I was like for the first two years when I was here in the church. And that's a secret. But I'm thankful that I have Jesus. And I was reminded of it even the last couple weeks. Some folks convinced me to get a Facebook so they could stay in touch. The problem is when you've been leading a youth conference with 8, 9, 10, 50,000 kids have come through. You put your name on Facebook and now I have all these friends i got to keep up with. I might have to just get an internship to take care of my Facebook. But on my Facebook something happened. All of a sudden I put my name out there on the, on the web on Facebook and all my old friends pre-cross found me. And man, I've been, I've been running from them for years, you know. And they found me. And it was interesting because now they're reading about the Denver church. And they're like, is this the same Doug Lassett that blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh man, that's on my Facebook page. Delete, delete, delete. Thinking everybody's going to read it and think it was last week. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. And they found me. And so I started sending them messages. Yeah, that's right. It's Pastor Doug now. And they, they just text me back. Ha, 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 ha. You know. And on one hand, I'm excited because I get to share with some old friends uh, what God has done in my life. But at the same time, I am reminded of what I used to be like. And Paul, if anybody knows something about grace and thankfulness, it's the Apostle Paul. And when you read his writings, constantly through his writings, he talks about how he loves Jesus. He, he is humble. His conscience is clear by grace. But he was persecuting the church. He was chasing Christians down, killing them, and, and putting them in prison, and giving him a thumbs down, a, an approval when they would be put to death. Paul understood grace. 
As a matter of fact, I think to the level that we understand grace is the level of influence that we can have in a dying and a hurting world. Paul understood grace. So we have a partnership in grace. There was a man, his name was uh, Jim Rayburn. And you may not know who Jim Rayburn is, but he actually founded Young Life Ministries. Now, Young Life and I were a little different philosophically in how we approach youth ministries, but they've done a phenomenal job. We're going to go use their camp again this summer. But Jim Rayburn understood something. See, today, Young Life preaches the gospel to 1.5 million teenagers a week. The gospel of Jesus. Jim Rayburn said this. He said, on the day of Christ's crucifixion, there were only two groups of people there. There was the religious onlookers. And then there were the group of people that were at his feet. And then he talks about what it means to be at the feet of Jesus. And Paul understood that to really be partners and to have the same core values, value system, vision, purpose, destiny, to be walking together, we have to be a people who know who Jesus is. And we have to want to be at his feet. Not over on the hill of hypocrisy, looking in at the church today, judging the church, talking about the church. The church is the bride of Christ. He died for you and me, not off to the side trying to look at the elements of the cross to decide if it applies to me in this postmodern emergent world. I understand it all, but we just need to find ourselves at the very feet of Jesus. And Paul says, these are the people that I want a partnership with. Grace of God. The next one here is a partnership in love. And I'll go very quickly. A partnership in love. Love is the filter. Love is the thing that keeps us pure. It's the thing that that beats in the heart of Paul when he says, I love you. I have love in my heart for you. He would open up most of his letters with love and grace and peace because he understood that love, the love of Jesus and the love towards one another was the filter that kept us moving the right direction as we began to build. Now let's go to the next one, a partnership of excellence. How many of you believe in excellence? I got to tell you, one of the things I've learned here at Study Bible Church is excellence. Do it right. You know, if you do it right the first time, guess what you don't have to do? Do it again. And excellence has been put into us. We do things with excellent excellence. Paul wants us to be excellent people. You know, we're going to go to Denver, and I'm hoping and I'm praying and I'm believing God that when you come visit me on some extended layover, because you have to go to Denver because it's in the middle, and all the airlines fly through there, that when you arrive, when you walk in, you will see the same excellence on the other side of the Rocky Mountains that you see right here. And on our first Sunday, man, we're going to kick it in. We're going to have children's ministries, a membership. We don't have members, but I'm going to have a membership ready. I'm going to announce it on the first Sunday. Membership will be (laughs) next week. (laughs) And and all my church team will be in it to make it look big. (laughs) We're going to decorate it right. We're going to make it look good. We're going to be excellent because we've been trained in the atmosphere of excellence. And I can't go through these, but let me end with this one today. And this one is is really where I wanted to, to get to. It's a partnership in the progress for the cause of Christ. Now, progress is a very important word in the kingdom. Because Paul talks about the progress of the kingdom and he talks about the progress of the church. Nowhere in scripture, anywhere, does it, does, will you find the phrase, for the maintenance of the kingdom. For the maintenance of the church. You won't find it. The church isn't supposed to just maintain. 
The church is supposed to have progress. It's supposed to move forward. You know, and it's interesting to me because I, I have never seen anything in my Christian life except a church that wants to move forward. And thank God, because progress and excellence is stamped on my brain. It's stamped in my spirit. I don't understand people who don't want to make progress. I don't even get them. It's like we speak two different languages. I would like to do this. Well, why would you want to do this? Because it's called progress. It's called doing something. I met with some leaders and some real estate people in, uh, in Denver, and they said, where do you want your church to be? Now, you guys, I've been brainwashed. You've totally brainwashed me. I only know multiple campuses. I can't do one service. I shut down. If I, I, I stand on the street and preach to myself. One service doesn't work for me. Multiple campuses. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, where do I want my church to be? And I turn around and go here and here and over here. Probably up here. And then how far is it from here to here? He goes an hour and a half. Yeah, down here too. We can do that. <laughs> we'll do that one on Saturday night. And I just kind of threw it out. I'm just joking, having fun here, here, here. And they looked at me and they just kind of, their eyes went cross. And they didn't understand. How could you possibly want to be all over the city? Because the whole city needs Jesus. See, progress. The church is not like a car, you know, as long as you give it oil changes and give it regular tune-ups. It's going to do, do a great job for you. But eventually you're going to have to get a new one, you know. You know, but the church is, uh, is not a maintenance institution. It's a living institution. We're moving forward. The church is the bride of Christ. I want to be a part of something that's powerful, that's moving. And let me talk to you a little bit about you. This is a partnership. A partnership that is part of, partly because of an offering, but also it's more than that. It's understanding the grace of God. It's understanding the kind of excellence we want. I have so many things here, right priorities. Paul says this. He says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's a priority statement. He talks about how to have spiritual unity. He says, have the same mind, have the same heart, and have the same spirit, which we do. DNA. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. But in progress, I was thinking about where I have been raised spiritually. And I want to just remind you of some of the progress that you have made. And I wasn't here the, during those very first sermons when Brother Dick's mom maybe was standing up in, in the older, other building that I never went to because I wasn't even alive yet. But I've seen the photos. And she's preaching from that moment. Who would have ever dreamed that we, we would be where we are today? That's called progress because you're in a church that believes in it. Just check this out. We are making progress in Africa. We're making progress in Kampala, Uganda. We're making progress in Johannesburg, South Africa. We're making progress all over Indonesia. We're making progress in Malaysia. We're making progress in Japan. We're making progress in Cambodia. Progress in Laos. Progress in Mexico. Progress all over Latin America. Progress in Romania. Progress in Russia. Progress in Australia. Progress in Canada. Progress in New York City. You can't go to New York City to pioneer a church like Ed and Heather did unless you believe in progress. You have to have faith and you have to believe God will move mountains for you. We're making progress in New York City. We're making progress in Vancouver, Washington. Mill Plain just shouted. We're having progress in Centralia. Progress in Colorado Springs. Now everyone needs to say something as I close here this morning. But we're making progress in Portland, Oregon. Come on. And now I get the opportunity and the privilege to add Denver, Colorado to City Bible's list of partnerships. 
and progress in the kingdom. You see, the more you think about it, the more mind-boggling it is that one house, one church, with the right priorities, with the right heart, with the right mind, moving together can have that kind of impact and influence around the world. And so from this house, Thursday morning, my wife and I will pack our minivan and we will take City Bible Church to Colorado. A high place, an intellectual place, a depressed state. And I believe that we're going to take the love of Jesus and the presence of God and build a church there. So I want to say thank you. We love you. And this is not goodbye because this is a partnership working together for the kingdom.